Welcome back to another episode of the American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants podcast. I am your host, Heidi De La Cruz. For today's episode, I spoke with Rosalba Fontanes. She talks about coming to the U.S. when she was 17 years old with plans to work packing tomatoes and then also send money back to her family. This was her way to help raise her younger siblings because her father had passed away recently and her mother had passed 10 years prior to this. To her surprise, she met her husband the very next day and didn't go back to Mexico. So listen to the rest of her story and connect with her if you're looking to go to Peru. She ends the episode by telling us how she got into taking groups of people on trips to Peru. All right, now you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, Rosalba, for being willing to come on here to share your story, your experience. I'm so glad we were able to connect. I do want to apologize for taking so long to respond back to your message. So I guess when you send a message to someone on Facebook who's not on your friend list, they'll put it on like a folder that's like friend, like message request. And then there's like another folder called spam. Okay. And that's where actually I found your message because um, in the podcast group that I connected with your daughter, I had sent a request out for um, a guest and um, I was getting a lot of those messages. So I was like, wait, there's, there's another folder here. And so when I went into the spam folder, that's when I saw your message and I was like, oh my goodness, she did reach out to me. And I, yeah, so I wanted to apologize because if I would have seen that message sooner, I would have, you know, connected back with you sooner. And, and that's perfectly okay. I really, truly believe that things happen for a reason and when they're supposed mm-hmm. to. So. Yes, yes, exactly. Thank you. Well, so let's get started. Before our talk, or before this, before the recording, um, you had mentioned that you came from Mexico when you were 17. So yes. I would like to get started for you to tell us about like how your life was in Mexico before moving to the United States. Okay, perfect. So you give me the clue to start. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> okay, so my name is Rosalba Ruiz Velasco Gonzalez as my maiden name as a 17-year-old. My, my married name now is Rosalba Fontanes. But as mm. Rosalba Ruiz Velasco Gonzalez at 17, uh, my life in Mexico before I moved to the U.S., it was pretty hard and filled with sadness and poverty. Mm. Yes. See, my, my father, um, and the departure was kind of a, a bittersweet because... I had no expectations. I was like lost. I had mm-hmm. just lost my father um, a couple of months before that. He had just died and I felt completely lost. Being the, the oldest of four siblings I and, and left with nothing, uh, I was, and, you know, my mother had died about 10 years before that. So we were oh, wow. orphans and uh, uh, some of our family uh, members on my father's side took care of us. So mm. uh, me, 17, it was time for me to do, to help out. Uh, yeah. that. I had no idea how. But, um, you know, being really sad in a very bad headspace at that time and so young with 
no uh, experience, I decided um, that I was going to come and live with my aunt in Los Angeles. And I have heard that if you uh, went to work packing tomatoes, you would make good money. And mm. so that was my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of the poverty, the um, the loneliness, the sadness, and come and make money packing tomatoes, and mm. uh, that way I could send out money to help out with the upbringing of my siblings. So okay. I got here uh, on a Friday, and in June of nineteen seventy six, uh, and I met my husband. The, the person who's now my husband of 46 mm -hmm. years, I met wow. him the day after I came here. So my experience as an immigrant is I got here at the following day. I was with the guy that was going to be my husband for <laughs> up until wow. now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I thought I would live with uh, doing this work of packing tomatoes and and helping my my siblings in Mexico, and those mm -hmm. were my pure intentions of a seventeen year old. And um, wow. yes, but uh, the culture shocks that I had were uh, not that many at the beginning. I still, you know, remember I was still lost and in a in a headspace that I I was just floating and going with with uh, the flow. Yeah, but. Uh, what happened was the first culture shock. It was the intense heat of summer. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I, I had never, ever experienced that kind of heat. And that was like, uh, I come from a tropical place where, yeah, it is kind of hot there. But there's also a breeze and, and it rains and it refreshes you. But here, yeah, I was going to, what part of Mexico are you from? Guadalajara. Guadalajara, okay. And so uh, and that's pretty close to the coast. Um, yeah. About three hours to the, um, in Guadalajara is about three hours inland um, or something like that. But anyway, so then I met my husband and I, uh, you know, we started um, going out and whatnot. And a few months later, we moved in together. Then I got pregnant with my daughter and we got married at eight months old. I mean, <laughs> eight months <laughs> into the, the pregnancy, we got married. And so we've been together since the day after I got here. Oh my so, gosh. So this, and, and he was, he's Puerto Rican. And so therefore he's a citizen. So because I met him and I've been with him, I never experienced immigrant experiences, you know, the hardship, the the looking over your shoulder. Uh, mm, okay, yeah. And all of that. So I was lucky I, and I'm very grateful for that, that I never had to live that way. Uh, eventually, I became a resident and then a citizen. But it, I didn't experience any of the, the racism. Uh, and if there was racism around me, I didn't have it in my awareness. So mm, yeah, yeah, we go around. You know, I love mm -hmm. I love everything about uh, foreign people and other countries and cultures. So I was 
you know, I didn't experience what other immigrants could experience as hardship. The only hardship that I had at the beginning was the language. But then mm. I started going to study um, ESL. And so English as a second language and mm -hmm. it helped me a lot. And of course, uh, my husband said, well, you know, I'm not here during the day. So the best way that you can learn English is by watching English television, no Spanish. So okay, yeah. With Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> with Sesame Street. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> and I was pretty young that I could still, you know, assimilate. And so yeah, yeah. The, the, lo the loneliness or the headspace that I was in, the yeah. emotional state started to ease off by, you know, by finding my mate. <laughs> I yeah, guess. yeah, no, I'm thinking like, you know, you just lost your father, you had lost your mother 10 years prior. And like the day after you come into this new country, it's like God sent you your guarding angel, like yes. literally the day after yes. to look after you to take care of you and to be able to guide you into this new space that you're that you're getting into. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, the love came later, but the <laughs> Yeah, everything has worked and with, with ups and downs and everything. You know, we're still together. We put kids yeah. in college. We raised them. We're grandparents now, uh, so it hasn't been a bad life. It has had hardships, yes, but not those that I would have experienced as if I hadn't had, uh, you know, that that backup. Yeah. So that the culture shock was the heat, number one. <laughs> and, uh, the first meal that I was going to mm. use was a, a two-inch, it seems to me, two-inch thick steak. And steak? Steak. Wow. And that revolted me. I, I had never in my life uh, had seen a, a cut that big, that thick and it was horrible it was like the cows was still uh, you know <laughs> I just, no. and i'm thinking oh my god this is, this is what people eat in the u.s oh my god that's that's horrible i can't i can't so yeah those were my two culture shocks like right away so tell us what is like a typical what is like the typical food or typical dish that you would eat in mexico Okay, the typical dish would be meat, steak, beef, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Steak, but not that thick, not that thick. <laughs> very thin, like, you yeah. know, masada kind of thing, rice, yeah, and, yeah. Beans. rice, rice and beans, chicken soup, beef soup, mm. uh, but, you know, it, it, it's different, and the condiments, of course, are different, so yeah. it, it was hard to to get used to another, another cultural uh, or dishes from the U.S. But then, you know, I knew, how, I learned how to cook really cook really fast. And I also use a lot of condiments from my country. And I'd like to also uh, use condiments from other countries. So I was always, you know, playing with, with food. Good. That's, aw that's awesome that you were able to, like, you know, keep your own culture, but then also embrace other cultures too. Because that reminds me of, uh, sorry, of another, um, podcast guest who you know she mentioned when we leave when immigrants leave their countries you know they always take their culture with them you know they try to 
embrace you know their music their language and and things like while adapting to the u.s yes and that is true with me too um and and you know people have asked me and, and i know this is going to go on this one what do you miss do you miss the the culture well what i miss the most is uh family the family expansion mm. experiences yes and um yeah, the food, but also not as much because I can get the same ingredients here. Uh, that's the great thing that you can find everything that we would use in Mexico or most everything and uh, replicate those, the, you know, my cookery <laughs> in, yeah. at home. But um, the cultural and, you know, I was so young and I was uh, just beginning to to expand my mind and then tragedy struck and then I just you know it took me a couple of years to get out of that so the first couple of years were kind of of hard um leaving my country leaving my culture uh and then embracing this whole whole other thing and a marriage right away yeah uh, it was that was the most difficult part than anything else I knew in the back of my mind that I was coming, um, and I couldn't pinpoint at the, at, the, at the time what it was, but what I can see now is that I was opening the, the doors to embrace something greater and something different. What it was, I don't know. What were going, mm. you know, the, the hardships or anything else, I had no idea. I had no expectations, but I did have a sense that this was a new world opening to me. Mm, yeah. And did you, so you came by yourself or did you come with your siblings? No, I came by myself. I came with by friends. Yourself. You know, the, oh, okay. you know, like I said at the beginning, uh, we get these um, experiences that only happen when they're supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it opened up that some friends were coming to, um, I had a friend whose brother was visiting from the U.S., and uh, he was getting ready to come back, and he invited his sister to come. And my, and my friend, the sister, said, hey, do you want to go? And my, uh, I remember that my aunt had extended that um, for me to visit, an invitation for me to visit her in the U.S. And I, at that point, I was so young, naive, or ignorant, and all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that you needed uh, documentation, legal documentation to live in another country. I had no idea that that existed. Wow. For me, it was, it's, it's a planet. It's a world. Nobody yeah, yeah. even think of any of that. Uh, so we came, we crossed the border, uh, and, and I was lucky that we got good people. But because some people, when they cross the border, they don't make it, especially women. Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was even lucky in that regard. So that's uh, I came with friends, and my my husband was friends in that in that community with those people. <laughs> and uh, so when I came in, they the lady <laughs> of the house where we landed in, the, in Burbank, California, where I still live. Uh, kept talking to me about this man who was divorced and had a little boy and had a house in the hills and da 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 da, da. And mm -hmm. all that afternoon, I was up to the gills. I 
just didn't want to hear anymore. Then mm -hmm. when we were um, at a bar uh, celebrating that we had come. <laughs> in fact, I saw this man walk in the door with a big smile and my heart just went like, boom. <laughs> you know who it was, okay? And uh, in esoteric or, or the kind of work I do, we call that soul recognition. We get together to mm. do what we here to, in life to, to, to do. So, but yeah. you can call it... Um, uh love at first sight if you want <laughs> but it's um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh so and, and i've been with him for 46 years so yes. wow that's that's a, a wow that's amazing and and also you know things were different back then um you know because you mentioned that you were naive and didn't know about the whole process and everything but um yeah that's 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 a quite an interesting story. Oh my gosh, I'm just trying to like picture everything in my head. And you know, as a 17 year old, you're just a baby and yeah. you make this life changing experience or my life changing decision. And then you just meet your husband the next day and have been with him um, ever since then. Um, so, so you said how many kids do you have now? I have two. Uh, you have my two. My stepson is three. So, but my my stepson was nine years old. He is what four, fifty some now. <laughs> and so okay. Upraising. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so you stated that you live in in California. And how would you explain like um a little bit of the differences? Because I I've never been out west. I'm in Florida. Okay. Um, so how would you explain a little bit of the differences between living in California and then in living in Mexico? Well, uh, you know, this is Mexico has changed like any other country in the world. So mm -hmm. what I remember as a 17 year old, uh, everything was different. The moment I arrived here, everything was different from what I was used to. So all of a sudden I have new friends, new mm -hmm. ways of being, new ways of doing things. So I had to um, embrace that and stepped in fully into living the life of in the U.S. Uh, different from Mexico. So yeah. where in Mexico, I would at 17, I would go out with my friends and to a coffee shop or to the movies or two outings, you know, day trips or something like that. Because I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I have a home. And it's a nice home. I have what you could call a husband and a partner right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm a mom. Oh, my God. What, what am I? What is this? So I used to pray a lot for mm -hmm. help to help me assimilate all of that and do my highest best to do uh, the best I could do for yeah. the situation I had been uh, gifted with. So it was, you know, I, I the life in Mexico, it was of a teenager. Uh, here, it was a, the, the life of a very young adult with lots of responsibilities that I hadn't So you, you will say that you had to grow up very quickly once very. you came here. <laughs> Very quick, quick, yes. yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a lot for a 17 year old. I'm, you know, I, uh, I had my child, my daughter at 20 and now looking back, it's like, I was a baby at 20 and I, yeah, just trying to think like, what was I doing at 17, you know, high school art with friends, hanging out, you know, going to the beach, but it's like you at 17, you had, you know, a home, a, a partner, a son and yes. ad- adapting to a whole new world. Wow. That's how do you feel that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. A whole new world. All right. Yeah. 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 A whole new world. How do you feel that your adaptation was? I mean, I know you had to do it very quickly, but did you, did you struggle or was it better because your husband was there like to support you in a sense? Yes, it was better because he was there to support me in a sense and all his family also. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah. So I always had a good rapport with all of them. They embraced the the moment they met me, you know, I was part of them. So I oh, had okay. that. What I didn't have in Mexico, or, or I, th- I thought I didn't because my father had just died. We were motherless for 10 years. So mm-hmm. uh, having all this family dynamic uh, supporting you here, I knew I wasn't alone. But still, I had to go through every stage of my of my growing up. And it was yeah. harder. So when I would see people, in fact, some of my, uh, my husband's uh, nephews and nieces, are my age. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, he's a much older uh, gentleman. He's almost 20 years older than me. So, okay. uh, you know, it was, I would see them having fun as teenagers. And I was like, oh, I have to cook and I have to send elders. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Wow, but that's good that you had, you know, his family and his support to to help you and, and be able to adapt. Have you been able to visit back Mexico? Yes, um, not as often as I would want to, mm-hmm. but uh, I've gone back uh, several times and uh, it's wonderful because I get to see not only the family I left, but uh, newer members, <laughs> you know, it's been for Oh, yeah. I've had... Uh, nieces, nephews, and now they're married and they have their own children. And some of them are, uh, you know, childbearing ages now. So it's, yeah. that's what I missed. But now with technology, I get to see them face to face. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. You know? So uh, that part, I am very grateful that I live in this age so that I can see them and talk to them, especially my sisters and, and my brothers. So Oh, so so there so that your siblings still all live there. Uh, two of them live there. The, two the of them. Okay. One lives uh, close by here. In the oh, okay. Oh, that's nice. So, so it's like half and half. Two there, two here. <laughs> yes, and and my younger sister goes to Mexico more often than I do. Um, mm, okay. So grandmother and uh, ready to retire and whatnot, but uh, or pretty soon. She yeah. Um, and, and so the the other two, they're doing pretty good. Whatever poverty we had then is non-existent now. Oh, that's good. Things have done very well for themselves. And uh, that's that's good. And, and, you know, there's a lot of gratitude that goes into that because uh, thinking that I came here to pack tomatoes 
uh, to be able to, to support them. And then I couldn't fulfill that. But then again, you know, everything, everybody has a, a purpose and a mission in life. And mm-hmm. people step on that when it's time for them. We can't do it for them. They each has to do their, their own uh, thing. Yeah, to, that is so true. To thrive in life. And so that's what has, has happened. Yeah. So you mentioned that your husband's Puerto Rican. So obviously that's a different culture than than Mexico. Um, Was there like, how was it having to embrace his culture, his Puerto Rican culture with his family and then different from the Mexican culture? Okay. So um, my husband and my father were a year apart. So my husband, my my father uh, brought me up uh, with the music of his times, you know, every stage of his mm-hmm. life, that type of music. So when I met my husband, we had that in common, the music. Oh, music. nice. Yeah. And, and to this day, you know, we listen to it and it brings fun memories um, that from those times. So my father kind of paved the way. Not only that, but when I was about 14, my father kept t- talking to me about these Puerto Ricans having a hard time in New York and the U.S. They were mistreated and this and that. And at 14, it was like, what the heck do I care about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. I want to go out with my friends. So I knew about the Puerto Rican culture. So, mm-hmm. so he was paving the way. He never knew I was going to come to the U.S. or that I was going to end up marrying a Puerto Rican. But he yeah. was paving the way for me to get into it easier. So I embrace cultures to begin with. Uh, in Puerto Rico, uh, it's um, they're very hard, uh, warm, loving people, very friendly. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was it was really easy to to be among them and and not only that but they always made me feel as one of them so I had my culture and then I had the Puerto Rican culture so I I could teach my children about both yes in time they were growing up in uh, main USA culture yeah, you know, yeah, that's so it's all three, it's like the, the Mexican, Puerto Rican, and then obviously, you know, the American, because you guys are, are living here. Yes. So that's just a mesh of all three cultures. Oh, but that's so beautiful, though, like, that you were able to embrace both and then teach your children both. And, and yeah, like, that's really beautiful. Yes, it is. And uh, so I consider ourselves that we are uh, multi- um, cultural people mm-hmm. and rich in culture. And I like, I've always liked cultures uh, and other, you know, knowing about other countries and other peoples ever since I was little. Uh, and I'm talking yeah. about uh, primary school age. Uh, I've always liked that. And um, what I do now is I, part of what I do now is I take groups of people to Peru to um, sacred pilgrimage. And uh, so you know, I, I've embraced also that culture uh, and I'm immersed in, in the ancestral um, paradigms or ancestral teachings of the Inca or Andean culture. So, so you I, take people to Peru. Okay, yeah. tell me about that because I want to go to Peru. And so I, this is interesting. <laughs> so 
remember how I told you we all have a purpose and mission? Yes. So uh, part of my purpose and mission after I raised my children was getting into uh, what we call answering the call is your spiritual awakening where mm -hmm. uh, you feel that you're dying. You feel that you're depressed and you just won't, don't want to live anymore. It's because you have fulfilled one cycle of your life in my case, and I was ready to go into the next one, but I didn't know that. And that happened in my early 40s, late 30s, okay. early 40s. And so uh, when I said, I prayed and I said, if this is the way I'm going to be living, then I don't want to live. This is not a good life to live. Uh, I was, not that things were outside of me were going bad. It's just inside of me, they were, I was going through a deep, uh, night of the soul, a dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And so I had to wake up to the newer things that were coming my way. So I started praying for, okay, show me the way, get me out of this because don't know what to do. Finally, um, things started happening to me that uh, were being, things were being presented in, for, in front of me, like get into hypnotherapy, get into this, get into that. And I was just following because it was fulfilling part of my my soul, you know, I didn't, all these things that I was studying, that I was being immersed into were uh, making me feel wonderful. But yeah. you know, that is when you have lost what you, what you have recovered or that you're reclaiming who you truly are and what you, you're aligning with your mission. So a lot of, you know, it took for, uh, for a period of years, I've done a lot of studying and, and trainings and whatever, uh, now I know that is, you know, <laughs> the spirit world shows me, okay, Rosalba, now you have to get ready to do this next thing. So be mm -hmm. ready, we'll send it to you when it's time. So I learned to respond to those calls, uh, sort of speak. And so one of them was after years of being a therapist and, uh, or a hypnotherapist and energy healer and whatnot, Andean shamanism is the, the ancestral wisdom of the people of the Andes. Okay. Um, came into my life and I, I just, you know, I kept saying, no, 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 that's not for me. That's not me. That's from another country. That's not my culture. Da, 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 da. But mm -hmm. I had to heal a lot of stuff inside of me. My personal inner <laughs> work had to be uh, done in order for me to step fully into what I was being uh sent to do, which I it happened. And now I teach uh, Andean shamanism or the medicine, the ancestral medicine of the Andes uh, for people to, to uh, become uh, healers, if you may, in the Andean tradition. And so I teach that. And I also work with teachers from Peru. And one of them, uh, I don't know if I can say his name here, uh, one of them is my teacher and a dear friend, and he has a wonderful um, com uh, tour company, and I work with him to take mm. him to Peru. And he is one of the leaders, and he has many other leaders that he has trained to take us on a tour of the most sacred places of the Incas. Interesting. Yes. And so uh, we are leaving on July 31st. Our tour starts August 1st, and it's about two weeks or so. So it ends on the 12th of August. 
And how often do you do um, take people on these tours? Well, this would be the second time we had been on hold for three oh. years because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so now we're finally going. Yes. So this would be my second time. Oh, and wow. And who knows, it might be developing into going to Egypt with that teacher, uh, connecting both uh, ancestral wisdoms. So. Salva, we're going to have to stay in touch because this oh, is so very, yeah, this is very interesting to me. And I'm, I'm the type of person that I also like to embrace other people's culture, like to learn about other people's culture. And hence why, you know, it's a one of the reasons why I started this podcast also to get, you know, people's stories out there and hear like the differences between, you know, the depending on what country they come from, like, you know, the, the culture shocks and, and, and everything. But also, like, I do want to travel a lot. I, I do want to go to a lot of places. So in Peru is definitely one of those that are on my list. So, yeah, we're definitely going to stay in touch so we can, um, so I can get more information about uh, doing the tour. Yeah. Well, you are uh, welcome to find out everything I do. We can do another uh, get together uh, online or offline and I can talk <laughs> all of this. Oh, perfect. Well, Rosalba, um, is there any last thing that you would like to share with our listeners for today? Like any advice um, maybe of someone who may be thinking of coming to the U.S.? Because I recently found out that my podcast has actually been listened to in eight different countries. So Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, yes. Yeah, so would you like to give maybe an advice maybe yeah. to somebody who's thinking about moving to the U.S.? Yes. So, uh, as you know, in the last 10, 15 years, immigration uh, regulations and all of that has been really hard where uh, children end up in, in jails, babies end mm -hmm. up in cages and, and all of that. So, and I didn't, I am thankful that I didn't have to go through any of that. So, based on my own experience and the experience that I've, uh, or the experiences that we have um, viewed in the last 10, 15 years, I would say this. I like this country uh, because it offers opportunities in education and it has the uh, diversity of cultures. That's true. But one advice that I would give someone who's thinking maybe moving to the U.S. would be don't do it unless it's legally. Don't put mm. your life at risk. Learn the language as soon as you can once you're here. Night school for ESL is, is, is wonderful. And be prepared to deal with your choices. Mm. If you get to experience emotional burdens, know that there's always some kind of professional help to see you through. Reach out. And one of the um, aspects of... Uh, that I would ask anybody in any world, even before they consider coming to another country, align with your values. Ask yourself, uh, who am I and what do I want? What do I want for me? What do I want for my family? And align to those values and pursue your path. Follow your heart. And also ask yourself, what am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? Because the 
we are always going in the in search of the American dream. And that is going to be different for each one. My, mm-hmm. my American dream was to come and pack tomatoes, that which I haven't fulfilled yet. One of these days I will go to a tomato packing establishment <laughs> and I'll pop out. So, um, and, and things change for the better for me. Uh, so that I could be uh, of service not only to my own fam, to myself, my own family, but to the planet, to the world. Of course, it was it didn't happen overnight. It took you know about thirty years for me to step on my on on on, on my path and pursue it. Mm-hmm. But first, I had to do a lot of the inner work that was aligning my values, what was important to me, and what was I good for, you know, excavating inside of me to to find my skills. What am I good, great to do uh, that when I'm doing it, I just, you know, I do, I'm doing it with passion. So get prepared. And, you know, some people are uh, born to be university uh, students, others to go to a trade school, but get mm-hmm. gather a skill so that you're always prepared for the yeah. next step in your life. Uh, and pursue your dreams, pursue your dreams, dream big, but do align with your values. Know who you are. Because see, once you come for the American dream for the wrong reasons, you are mm. going to miss your family. If you have children in the country that you are coming from, those children are not going to have a father. And it's not that they're going to get rich because the the cost of living here in the U.S. is very high. And if you're Mm -hmm. uh, earning the minimum wage, there's not much that you're sending to your family while you're uh, struggling here, too. And you don't have your partner. You don't have uh, your, your family, your children, and they don't have you. So what's most important? Align with your values. What's most important to you? Wow, that was that was beautiful. That was really good advice and very, very beautiful. Align with yourself, align with your values and know who you are. Know yes. who you are. And uh, because in knowing who you are, you discover aptitudes and, and skills and you start creating goals and you write those goals with dates. Otherwise, they're just dreams without mm. <laughs> uh, goals without a date on they're just dreams so you have to give yourself markers and six months from now I would have done this and one year from today I would have achieved this and you are going of working on those markers achieving each marker so don't give yourself a five-year planning without uh you know tackling it from uh with short periods of time so you create those goals you write them with dates uh, and don't give up your dreams and dream big. Perseverance. Yes. Perseverance is the key word. Uh, but first, know who you are and know your worth. Because each one of us was born with, with a great, with many gifts to share with the world. And you can monetize those dreams. And you can put food on the table and raise your children get out of poverty mindset, out of poverty uh, environment, once you align with your values, know who you are and what's important to you. 
Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Rosalba, for your time, for your wisdom, for your story. And I hope that people can feel the peace that I'm feeling right now from speaking with you and also the inspiration that you're giving right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And remember, there's no, no such thing as a failure. Mm. Okay. Because even if you think you have failed at something, you have learned a great deal about not to do that one thing the same way. Yes, exactly. Oh, so good. We're always learning. <laughs> We are. That is so true. Thank you so much. Thank you for this great opportunity of uh, sharing, uh, you know, uh, from my experiences. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and maybe that would uh, touch somebody to, mm -hmm. to allow them to be the best version of themselves the best yes. person uh, and align with their highest values and their highest possibilities, not probabilities, but possibilities. So what's possible for uh, anyone in this world and work and persevere and work towards that? Yes. And we'll stay in touch, by the way. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day. Okay. Yes, and if I wanted to mention also that if mm -hmm. anybody yeah. wants to to find me, uh, they oh can, yes, yes, they can go. I can uh, write that uh, on on the box on your messenger box. But yes, com forward slash apps forward slash links forward slash. I'll write it for you. And they can find me on Instagram and Facebook with my name, Rosalba Fontanes. Perfect. Yes, I'll include your links on the show notes so people can connect with you and follow you. Thank you so much. You're I, had, very welcome I completely forgot to ask about that. I'm so sorry, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So thank you for the opportunity and we'll keep in touch. That's for sure. And uh, in the meantime, I have a full heart for this uh, with gratitude and, and uh, thankfulness for you and all of those who are listening to you. And I know you will reach more countries too. Oh, thank mm -hmm. you. That means so much. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are wanting to be a guest on this podcast, please send me a message on Instagram. Or if you know someone who would be willing to share their immigration journey, please send them my information. Um, the link to my Instagram is in the show notes. If you haven't yet, please leave a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast so other people can learn about it and share with a friend. This is the best way that we can reach as much people as possible. Thank you so much for your continued support. Until next time.